Very pleased to be joined by Brittany Barron today. Brittany is the co-founder of Five Packs, an online travel website dedicated to supporting families of young children to enjoy educational and adventurous family travel experiences. Now, Brittany, you and I are going to talk about something a little differently, or excuse me, a little different than what we had originally planned to talk about, but I think we're going to hit some of those same notes right there from your bio, those educational and adventure, adventurous family experiences, but we're doing it a little differently right now. So first of all, Brittany, how are you doing? I'm okay. Um, today's an okay day, but yeah, I think that, you know, everything we set out with five packs to do, we're still doing, but just in very, very different ways now that I wouldn't have anticipated. So, well, if you don't mind, crazy times. <laughs> if you don't mind digging in a little bit, you say today is an okay day. Let's, let's talk about first, what does a good day look like? We'll say that okay is right in the middle. What does a good yeah. day look like? And then if you don't mind, what does a not so great day look like today and during this time? Yeah. So I think, you know, Good days right now are when we've set somewhat of a plan and it's it's coming together, right? The kids are are flowing with our new normal, which is not at all an unnormal for us. Um, and I feel like today's just been everyone's needed needs the weekend, needs you know adults not to be working and right. needs full attention. And so I think that you know hopefully by the end of the day we hit that good day. But I think that the full work week, it's taking a toll on everyone in this, this new phase of life. Yesterday, someone in a a Facebook group uh, posted TGIF. Is that still a thing? Do we still care about Friday nights under this new normal? And I posted, I said, if you've been homeschooling all week and you're not used to homeschooling, then Friday night is absolutely still a thing. Yes. Friday nights are amazing now. (laughs) Um, Friday nights have a new, a new energy, I think for, for the kids and adults alike. So talk to me about some of the some of the challenges, maybe obvious and not so obvious challenges that might encompass those bad days or not so great days. Yeah. So we up until a, almost a month ago, we lived in New York City and we don't right now. We're living in Ohio um, semi temporarily. Um, and so we're making the best of some you know incredibly generous relatives who have brought us in and we're carving out, you know, just a, a new way to live safely and to, to do life. Um, I'm going to go back. Can you ask that again? Yeah. Tell me about some of those. Tell me about some of the aspects that might feed into a not so great day. Yeah. So as we are, you know, not living in our normal Brooklyn apartment, we are living with family in Ohio. Um, the, the, the tricky days and the, the, the great days are just a, a balance of figuring out how to do work and homeschool and uh, everything that we need to do. But what's making it so much easier is just the space to breathe and being able to go outside, um, which I know a lot of our you know Brooklyn-based, New York-based friends are not able to do right now. Okay. I think I can make a, have a hypothesis about why you chose to leave New York City, but rather than guess, <laughs> let me, I'm going to let you put it in your own words. Tell me about the that decision to leave New York City and head to Ohio. Yeah. So we you know, in our work, working with a university that's very globally oriented, we have the wonderful opportunity to, to connect and, you know, speak with friends from around the world. And we have a, a little connection of friends in China. And when we were speaking to them in early March, a good friend of ours was talking about his daughter not having left the apartment since Lunar New Year. And all sounds, you know, oh, it's a long time. We hung up, I looked at a calendar and thought, actually, that was over, you know, almost a month ago. She has not left the apartment in almost a month. And things here in New York are, they're trending that way. And in that moment, our boys come barreling out of their bedroom. 
they've got some sort of obstacle course wrestling match <laughs> adventure going on. And Mike and I are looking around our almost 700 foot, you know, 700 square foot apartment, three boys, you know, similar age to your kiddos. We've got a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and an 18-month-old. And the idea of being stuck inside for 30 days was debilitating. We, we didn't understand how we were going to survive that. We love our kids. I'll smash into a three-person tent with them for a week. Um, but being confined in the walls of our apartment is just not something that we've ever done successfully for more than a couple of days. And so we, our lease was actually up on our apartment. We were looking at other apartments in Brooklyn and decided just to throw everything in a U-Haul over a four-day weekend that we created. Um, Mike was still working a lot. Um, so I threw everything in a U-Haul and we drove to Ohio. Time stamping these conversations right now, I think, is, is more important than yeah. it typically is. So today's April the 4th. Yeah. How far, when when did you make the, the trek from Brooklyn or when did you begin the trek from Brooklyn to Ohio? Yeah, so we started packing on March 12th and we were on the road on March 16th. Okay, so tell me about, tell me about those four days because I feel like the, certainly COVID-19 was the focus of, of most people's lives and definitely the focus of, of the news outlets, but it wasn't at the level that it's at now. Tell me about what was the world like on March 12th to 16th and how did it even evolve yeah. over the course of those four days? Yeah. And so, you know, it really wasn't that bad in New York yet. Our kids were still supposed to be in school. I'd actually pulled them out already. Um, we, we were looking at projections. Mike and I are super data nerds and we're talking to friends in China. We're talking to our campus staff in Italy um, where it was starting to escalate in Italy at that point, you know, pretty dramatically. And looking at the projections, it you know, I'm not going to say that I was some great forecaster, but the data looked like it was going to get bad in New York, right? We hoped it wouldn't. I hoped that we would have looked completely foolish and like we were overreacting. Right. Um, that was the goal. Um, that would have been great. I would have wished that would have happened. Um, but it just looked like it was going to get bad fast. And, you know, a little more background, our oldest kiddo had spent a good chunk of February in and out of the hospital. He's got some you know, underlying uh, health issues and he's totally fine. Um, he's, he's making a full recovery from what was going on, but it was just this added level of fear that we did not want him to be exposed. And even for some of the other stuff he has going on, I, we were nervous about being in hospitals with him if, if we had a, a second episode. Oh, and that's a, that fear is as relevant as ever now, yeah. I mean, whether or not you have the ability to see the future. It sounds like maybe you have a little bit of a gift with your, I'm going to use your word, data nerd background, yeah. but yeah, you, it sounds like most of your predictions came true to some degree, especially as it relates to New York city, which is kind of at the epicenter of all this right now, at least in the U S you know, here yeah. on April the 4th. So you're in, you said your parents' house? We're in my, yeah, my in-laws, Mike's parents' house. Mike's parents' house. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to, I realize people can only hear this on the podcast, but I'm seeing Brittany on video here. It looks like you're in kind of a country kitchen sort of <laughs> background here. Tell me that about is, it. That is the decor here. I am sitting in a guest bedroom um, that my kids have very lovingly turned into their playroom, um, which they've never had a playroom before. So new adventures all around. And so, yes, we've got a good, you know, Ohio country theme here that's very precious and you know, a, a fun, stark difference from, and where we're, you know, we're in the country, uh, we're in a suburb, but we've got a huge yard to run around and play. And we have a very untraveled, um, you know, sidewalk lined subdivision here. So the kids are out on their bikes all day. Yeah, you, probably, you know, being a New York city resident, you may not always appreciate the, the master plan suburban community, but things look a little different today. 
we have made many apology calls to siblings. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we have judged so critically for uh, for the suburban life they've chosen because we're still city folks at heart. Um, but we, we grew up in the suburbs. We grew up in Ohio. Um, but we've teased them so much. And yes, I've made more than one apology call because this is brilliant. This is super brilliant. I'd love to. If you ever get the opportunity to record one of those apology calls, I'd love to hear it. And I'm sure the listeners would as well. I'm sure my siblings would give full permission. <laughs> and if I and if you were one of my siblings, I would have be I would be on the receiving end of one of those apology calls because I live on a third of an acre, right in the thick of the suburbs, and we're enjoying our backyard and our trampoline and our treehouse and not our pool yet. It's warming up at 62 uh. degrees this morning, but it's on the it's on the it's trending upward. So let's talk about the kids. You're, ex- you're absolutely right. You, your two oldest kids are the exact same age as my two only kids. We're, we don't have the 18-month-old, but the six and the four-year-old. Tell me, how are they processing what's going on around them? And then how are they just responding generally in their day-to-day? Yeah, it's it's been a lot. Um, you know, their, their routine was thrown a lot. I mentioned in, in February, just dealing with a lot of medical stuff. And so we were just kind of finding some normal again. And then we shook it all up. Um, you know, throwing them in a U-Haul and well, I threw them in the SUV. My husband was driving the U-Haul, but we're, we're figuring it out. I think it was a lot of time spent stopping and listening to them and what's, you know, what's scaring them, what's overwhelming them and helping them find the words to articulate that. Our six-year-old obviously can do that a little bit better than the four-year-old. But one of the, the huge challenges has been just getting under what are their big emotions, um, We've turned off any access they have to direct news sources because I don't feel like they have enough capacity to synthesize it in a healthy way. And so we're giving them updates um, in ways that we can, you know, answer it slowly and, and through the questions they have and appropriately for their age. Um, they're they're hitting a stride. I mean, they're right now they're out hiking and so they're living their best lives. They're doing the stuff that brings them the most joy. Um, but there's days that are really hard for them. Well, let's, let's stop there a little bit about the talking about synthesizing the news. That's, that's fascinating. And it's not something that I've heard from many parents yet. And us, it's not like we're, we're not shielding them from the news, but we're also not going out of our way to expose them to it either. It's yeah. like, we kind of will have it on. We turn on the news a little bit in the morning, a little bit in the evening. And then we, my wife and I just sort of do our own following of the news during the day. And yeah. so tell me about how you're synthesizing what you hear and answering, not answering your kids' questions, but then also proactively providing them with, with information that they might find useful as a six and a four-year-old. How are you doing that? What's your strategy? Yeah. So their, their school has been really helpful, giving us a couple of, you know, videos to talk about viruses. And they were still, they were in school when it was getting and growing in China and kids at school were talking about it. Um, it it was becoming very real. And so it's unpacking, what they're hearing outside of our control. Now it's all within our control. And that was kind of the launch for it. I don't know that we would have talked about it as much if my six-year-old didn't come home and say, tell me more about how people are dying of coronavirus. Like, am I going to die of it? Because I was in the hospital, right? And then, oh, no, you're not. You know, it was heartbreaking. That was, and I've, even I've pushed that out of my mind until I just said it. I, I think I tried to forget that that happened. Um, We're digging up, digging, pulling skeletons out of the closet here on Family Travel Radio today. (laughs) I promise this will not turn into my therapy session. Um, And so we'll try. Who knows? Who knows? Say, don't make any promises you can't keep, Brittany. Um, But but so what what we are doing is you know what all is still closed. They know what social distancing is. They know you know 
they know what it means to shelter in place um, because those words were being shared and talked about um, before we even left. And so we talk about what, what the rules are and how they keep people safe. Um, we, we don't share like case counts or you know death rates. We're not sharing those sorts of things. Um, they have a, an aunt who works in a hospital. And so we were talking to her and she had shared, she has a couple of patients with COVID and what, you know, what protection she's gonna be changing about how she sees her patients now and giving them information they wanna know that's it's close and it's touching them. And so it's, there's not really a schedule or a plan to how we deliver it, but as things change and as you know, the policies and the ways that we're interacting change, um, they aren't seeing much of the world. We we kept ourselves quarantined in the basement for a couple of weeks, right? Just to be smart, responsible humans. Um, for they hit their two weeks earlier because they had hadn't had any exposure to anyone about five days before we even left New York. Um, so there's not a schedule. There's not a program for how we're doing it. But just as things feel relevant or their questions arise, we're sharing it. So some quick math would suggest that you've only been out of the basement for a few days. We have, yeah. Yeah, I went to the grocery store two days ago. Um, and that was almost surreal. I felt I it felt very like apocalyptic for me and like I don't know, handmaid's tale. I hadn't been out in a social situation um in a while. And it was I don't I don't wish that feeling on anyone, but I'm glad you say that because I felt the exact same way. I've I've been to the store exactly once and it was ex that is exactly how it felt. I hadn't left my block in two plus weeks and yeah. it was just like I found myself kind of looking around every corner like I was in some sort of a, of a foggy dream, zombie apocalypse situation. It was bizarre. And this, this is a store that I've been into literally hundreds of times. Yeah. I, I'd never been to this grocery store, um, but I, I also was just itching to like do something for our family, right? I'm doing all the homeschooling and that's all really great. But I just, you know, Mike has gone and did the, you know, one big grocery trip we'd needed. Um, and it was, you know, I wanted to go, which... He did, he did break his two weeks. We masked him. He wore gloves, um, but we made the decision that him going and being as safe as he could was better than sending his, uh, you know, aging parents to do it. So um, I'll, I'll put it out there. Not probably a 100% great decision, but. Well, no one's, no one's batting a thousand in this situation. We've I, all yeah. done things that, <laughs> and I wonder at some point, and I, I hope this doesn't happen, but you know, I, there's been a couple of instances where like I, I start to turn to my wife and like, am I, are we going to crack? And then to start making really bad decisions, you know, cause I feel like generally speaking, we're reasonably grounded people and our mental health overall is good, but like situations can break people down and you don't even, it might be so slow in this case, you don't even know it. And then like, if, if I'm feeling this way, like what's going on with, with the rest of the world? Are people just, are people just going to start cracking one by one and then have this whole other problem on our hands? I, I think there's probably a lot of people out there who are not okay and either know it or don't know it yet. I, I have a lot of friends who are in New York right now who have said, I am not okay. And our, you know, my marriage right now is not okay. Um, and I think taking time to reach out, um, I, I built a little calendar because I felt overwhelmed connecting to my mom and my siblings and my friends, you know, that, that I, I've not seen, um, and wanted to make sure I was reaching out to everyone in what felt like a fair but reasonable space and just devoting a little bit of time each day. There have been days where I am not okay. Um, and I think that, you know, maybe it's 14 years of, of marriage under my belt is, is coming to Mike and saying, I'm not okay. I'm not okay today. And I don't know what I need to do to feel okay, but I want you to know so that you can help me 
figure out over the next couple hours and day about what I need to do to be a little more okay. Um, yeah, I don't, I, it's, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. Well, that's excellent advice. And the one thing you hope is that you can manage to, so far my wife and I have managed to do this. We haven't been, we've both had epic down moments, but we haven't had them at the same time yet. We've always been, one of us has been up enough to keep going while the other one works it out. Hopefully we, we can keep that rhythm, but thank goodness my wife just only yesterday finally was approved to work from home indefinitely. She's been going to work up until yesterday and that made it extra tough because I was doing my work and homeschooling all by myself. And she was at work locked in an office doing video visits. She's a therapist and she was doing video visits with all of her patients, but she was going, driving to an office to do video visits, which makes no sense. It's like, why do you need, but it was bureaucracy reigns in certain organizations. I'm not going to mention the organization because that would be unfair. But let's talk about, let's, let's move on a little bit to the homeschooling. And you mentioned yeah. something talking about how your school sent home videos. I just had a little anecdote about, about a hand-washing video that my, my son's school had sent us a link to. We've been beating the hand-washing drum forever. This is nothing new. This has nothing to do with coronavirus. Okay. So getting your kids to wash their hands, number one, is a challenge. Getting them to wash for more than three quarters of a second, equally challenging. But they sent, the school sent home a video from a guy, Mystery Doug is the name of the, the guy who hosts the show. And he was teaching kids about how to wash their hands, why they wash their hands. And they showed dirty hands under a microscope and they showed poorly washed hands under a microscope and they weren't much better than the unwashed hands. And then they said, okay, here's the 20 seconds of soap and water. And they were perfectly clean. And then they gave the kids a song to hum while they're doing their hand washing. Cause normally a song with a song with lyrics, the kids can cheat. They can just say them real fast. ABCDFG. Yep. But he said the the Darth Vader theme from star Wars, which is perfectly timed for my son. Who's way into star Wars. Dun, 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 dun. You can't cheat through that. You can't speed kid, that up. My kids have become obsessive hand washers ever since. So thanks to mystery Doug. That's a long way of saying school videos work sometimes better than actual parenting. And thank you to, to mystery Doug and, for all those educational videos that are getting in our kids' heads. We're going to look it up. We can always use a refresher. Um, Our school's been amazing. They've moved to Google Classroom. And so both my Mm -hmm. six-year-old who's in first grade and then the pre-K kiddo um, who's four, his teacher also, they have a whole Google Classroom page with, for pre-K, it's all suggested. Nothing is required. It's all, his teacher's phenomenal. Um, Some of the activities, they're doing a water unit. So it's help your parents wash the dishes. And so she's got a whole lesson on how to learn about water through dishwashing. So, oh my, that is, that is a stroke of genius right there. She's clearly a parent of, of <laughs> um, and she kind of gets what's going on at home for certain people. Cause we haven't gotten any of that. Ours is just, this, it's just regular schoolwork to go basically. Yeah. No pre-K she's, <clears throat> she's been amazing. She's done a couple of just, you know, short zoom sessions where we pull all the kids together. She moderates it brilliantly. I was terrified of what moderating it for a bunch of four-year-olds could look like. And she's, you know, muting everyone. She's calling people out to share what, what she's prescribed is what they need to bring on. So she's doing it really well. And it's 45 minutes a week of video time and everything else is just fold it within your day. Here's ways you can introduce vocabulary. Please read a book every day. Um, she's just hitting it out of the park. I, I'm so thankful because what she's giving us makes me feel like I'm doing okay as a parent. I was working until last week when my, unfortunately, unfortunately, my contract ended for some work I was doing. Um, and so I, I, even when I was trying to work and balance, I felt successful <laughs> in educating him. Um, 
with the first grade curriculum, the first week was hard. Um, I don't know if you're finding this or what they're sending, but it's it's a ton of work. It is none of it he can do on his own. Um, it's math problems on a computer, and it the first week just felt super hard. And we, you know, background we thought about homeschooling for a long time. We wanted to travel more, and that was one way to make it happen. And I had in this mind how homeschooling would go, and the curriculum we were given, and how we were implementing it at one half of the kitchen table wasn't. The homeschooling and i didn't feel like i was reaching my aspirational you know a, you know achievement and excellence as someone with an early childhood degree and at the end of the week one of my friends who was a homeschooler said but you didn't sign up to homeschool like you found out on friday that you were starting on monday she's like i had a year to prepare and think about it and plan and build curriculum and set up a space and you had basically four hours to, to make it happen and i thought Oh, that's right. I didn't sign up for this. And I'm not homeschooling, I'm crisis schooling, right? We're, right. we're filling a gap um, during a pandemic. And that's very different than Pinterest worthy homeschooling. Yeah, you make an ex excellent point there. Yeah, this is not the homeschooling that kind of utopic, uh, utopic homeschooling that we may envision. This is this is filling a gap. This is putting a bandaid on, on a situation. We didn't get yeah. to choreograph, we didn't get to choreograph anything other than just bringing the work home. Like my my professional life has remained mostly unchanged except that I'm doing it at home. We're trying to do all these things. And if, like you said, your friend who had a year to pre uh, prepare, plan the space, set up other aspects of their life to, yeah. to work in harmony with the homeschool situation. So I'm hoping that folks out there who were considering homeschooling and then this is their first, uh, their introduction to it. And they say, Oh, if this is what it is, well to hell with homeschooling then. Cause to your point, this, this is not, this, this is not normal. You, you, you wrote to me in a note that you call it pandemic schooling as opposed to homeschooling. And I think you hit, you hit it out of the park with that, with that comparison. Yeah. And so I think just, just shake some pressure off. No one's walking into school, whether your school's going back in a few weeks or a few months or next fall, there, there isn't a kid who's walking and maybe there is that one, but there are very few kids who are walking in the door, having fully embraced everything they would have caught in the classroom. And I think the other thing to keep in mind for those, you know, I've been a teacher and I have been fortunate enough to volunteer in my first graders classroom a lot this year. A good chunk of their day is spent learning how to behave in social situations, to wait their turn, to wait in line, to do some, you know, work while the teacher is assisting a small group and, my kids specifically go to a very busy, overcrowded, you know, Brooklyn school. And so there's so much of their day that's social and I, there's, they're not spending six hours a day on curriculum. Um, and so that social piece is going to look a little different at home. We're not worrying about how to wait in lines because waiting in lines is not relevant to our lives right now. We're working on how to articulate your needs um, for space or for attention from grandparents that you haven't ever lived with before. Right. Or, you know, sharing bathrooms and all these things that are new social experiences. So we're doing that during the day. Um, you probably could have worked on the waiting your turn had you stayed in your tiny apartment in Brooklyn. That would there, might have been an exercise in sharing space and waiting your turn for everything. There absolutely is. Not that you should have done that. I know. Every day we're going to waffle over what we did and shouldn't have done. I absolutely think we made the right decision. But yeah, there's a lot of waiting in the line when you have five people in one very tiny bathroom. So you also sent me a note, Brittany. You said, I am also secretly loving all of this extra forced time as a family while not losing sight of the chaos and devastation around us. Let's, let's set the, de the devastation aside for a second and yeah. tell me about the extra family time that you're secretly loving. Yes. So you, know, you and I have talked before that last 
June, I left my full-time job because we just we constantly felt like life was too much and too hard. And there was a turning point and, you know, with health and losing a nanny and just money all in one weekend. And I thought, what are we doing? Like, this isn't working and let's, let's stop and change something. And so I left my full-time job to spend more time with the kids and to pursue some of these passion projects that I had five packs being the, the biggest of those that I just never could find time for. And we've had this, you know, eight months or six months leading up to, to COVID where we were just really focusing on re-getting to know our kids after having both been working and in grad school full-time and having more family time. And we were, I was starting to work a little bit more. New York City, turns out, is not affordable on one, one mm. salary. And so, it, but it was- Breaking good. news, New York City, <laughs> not affordable. Not affordable. Um, <laughs> even deep in Brooklyn, um, the belly of Brooklyn apartments are still very expensive. Um, and so we were kind of hitting a, a, a flow there, but still just the balance felt really good. Um, and so, you know, this has shaken it up and now Mike's home all day, um, whether we're driving him nuts or not. And he's trying to work, he's working a very full schedule. Some, you know, he's worked through a couple of weekends without a, some time off, but we get to physically see him a lot more. And when he ends his day at four o'clock, he's not hopping on a subway for an hour. He's hopping out in the backyard with us to jump in on the freeze tag game. Um, my kids are getting to spend time with the grandparents, which is so fun and just and magical seems completely ridiculous to say, but it is, you know, we grew up with our grandparents and we have felt a lot of guilt that they haven't. Um, and so it's awesome. It's awesome just to be with them all day long and never sit on a train. And, you know, they drive me nuts and I sometimes want to hide in the bathroom for a little while, but I, I think You're talking me, about Mike, right? I'm talking about Mike. Um, <laughs> absolutely. But I think, you know, for me, I've gotten to do it for the last six months in a way I hadn't before. I think especially um, for Mike getting a lot of extra time with the kids has been a ton of fun, even though it's been, you know, his work's been chaotic. Um, he gets to really see them and he gets to see how incredibly difficult our 18 month old is. He's got a <laughs> you can't take your eye off of him. He's an animal. Um, it's, interesting. It's, it's like everybody's getting a little glimpse into other people's lives that they wouldn't normally get. Like he's getting that glimpse into what it's like to be with an 18 month old 24 seven. We're getting a little glimpse as parents into what it's like for our for teachers and our kids, teachers and, and, and organizing yeah. curriculum. Like we don't, we see sides of them and sides of our kids that we wouldn't normally get to see. There's all these new sides that are being exposed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think everyone appreciates teachers in a, in a new way. Um, or at least I hope so. Yeah. Um, Cause this stuff's hard. This stuff's really hard. Um, but yeah, I think that just, just being together for bre breakfast. Mike has not eaten breakfast with us in I don't know how long because he's got to you know shuffle off to work um, while everyone's still still getting up. Um, and so, I know that shuffle. Down. I do that same yes. shuffle. Yeah, um, that was just our routine. Right back when I worked, he went in early. I got you know, went in later. Just it's, it's just how it's been to work for life for many years. So, sitting down at breakfast together has been super fun. So what what do you think about that? You guys have sort of got a little bit of advanced look at the concept of really taking stock of your life. It sounds like you were with, before COVID hit, you were on that path of really taking a long, hard look at the, the different 
aspects of your life, especially the ones that required time and resources and effort and deciding whether or not they were really worth it, whether they should be part of your life or not, given that you have three young ones at home and you obviously quality of life is, is critical and travel is really important. So I'm thinking of this as an opportunity for all of us now that so many different various features of our lives have been forcibly removed, that we're all going to be fairly thoughtful when the time comes about what we allow back in. We have the like we had this control alt delete on our lives and there's certain things that were time sucks or things we didn't really want to be doing or that weren't the best use of our use of our time that we're going to have to, we're going to have the opportunity to decide whether to bring those back in when the time is right. What do you think? I hope so. I think that I hope that the workforce as a whole, you know, for the 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 privileged section of folks who do get to work remotely right now, right? And, and seeing this could change the world of work for a lot of people. There's a lot of people that, you know, frontline folks who it's not gonna change in that way for them, but maybe we can do work a little bit differently. Um, I'm so hopeful that that people are seeing some of the stuff that really matters and the stuff that people thought mattered and were they knew it mattered, they were convinced it mattered and suddenly they're not able to do it or allowed to do it and you can reevaluate it. Um, with a, with a new space. I think for, for me last year, I loved my job. I loved working. Um, I had such value for myself and the team I supported. And I would feel so much guilt to, to kind of leave how much, you know, work I'd put into growing that team. And when I stepped away from them, I didn't step away from the relationships. I still talked to them every couple of days, the, you know, staff who worked, worked under and with me. Um, and so once you've kind of been pulled out of it, I hope that people have some time and space to to think about, yeah, exactly what you said. What goes back in? Because yeah, there's like what you said, so much of the stuff that we just do because we think we have to. That's exact. That's the that really is the only reason why it's there. And when you have a time to step back, you realize like I was only doing that because everybody else was doing it, or because there was some strange expectation. And then now that it's gone, one, I don't miss it. And two, I realized it really wasn't real. It never was real. It just, life was going so fast. You never have time to take a beat, take a breath and be intentional about what you allow into your life. And I'm optimistic that that could be a positive outcome. I'm looking for some silver linings here and it's getting increasingly Same. more difficult. I'm, I'm optimistic. I feel, and maybe because I, it, what I went through last summer was not at all the crisis that we live in now, but just a similar thought process, right, of, of pulling some things away. And it's not fast. It doesn't happen immediately. And I think it's it's over time and reflection. I think that if we're really intentional too in our kids' experiences, I want in three and six months from now, my kids to talk about how fun it was during that window of time when dad was home for breakfast every day and that to be a trigger and a reminder for him that that breakfast time mattered, right? And we got to find a way to keep that going. Um, I, I think we're building really cool spaces and conversations and platforms with our families. And I, even if it's, it's not an immediate change, cause I think that it's possible we'll get back into some old habits and routine. Cause I think we're craving that a little bit and, and needing to get back to what was the old normal, but that it can kind of be a more iterative process of, of taking more family time. Yeah. Taking family time. That's what it all comes back to. And it really doesn't matter where you're at. And right now we're all taking family times, excuse me, taking family time in isolation fundamentally, but it's, it's, it's really, it's tough. And I think being able to expose 
a little bit more vulnerability, I think, is coming to the fore for a lot of people. Going back to what we were talking about earlier about being able to hit a point where you can openly say to your spouse or anyone, like, I'm not okay. I'm struggling right now. I know yeah. me personally, I've had conversations with some of my colleagues that we, we never really get personal. It's always just work, work, work. And we've had conversations where like, I can just see it on their face over video, like that they're, they're struggling, that they're worn down. They can see it in my face. And I'm just not ashamed to say, I'm, I'm having a really hard day. This is, I'm, I'm kind of losing my mind a little bit where normally I would just kind of suck that up and, and try to you know, put on a professional face. I think we're, we're losing that. Maybe that vulnerability, again, looking silver linings will bring, bring us closer together as a, as a species at some point. I think so. I think that, you know, was a, a second lesson that I learned over the last year. I kept my personal and my professional life so segmented and separate for so long. And when I left my team and my supervisor, they were stunned that I had been thinking about this and that I was so oh overwhelmed. Um, and I felt a lot of guilt that I had never let them into how much balancing it all was, was so hard for me. Um, I just kept it so compartmentalized and I just kept thriving and achieving and making sure that it worked. It never, never would show, you know, how much of a challenge it was. And that's been a huge commitment is just being vulnerable and, and putting it out there and, and being more authentic and not compartmentalizing kind of who you are. Yeah. I hope that I know Mike's so good about that with his team and checking in on who they are as people and asking those tough, thoughtful questions to really know how people are doing. Um, I hope people are doing that. If you're not doing that, go do that. Um, check in with your people, check in with yourself. And check yeah. in with anyone who you think, you know, just people that we, there's people we know in our lives who may be particularly vulnerable just because of their situation. Someone who lives alone. Like yeah. you said, that, that would, that one bedroom apartment situation, someone who normally might be a happy go lucky, well-adjusted person has suddenly been trapped in their 500 square foot apartment for a month. And who knows what's going on in their head. They might, just need to hear from somebody, anybody, and that, yeah. that anybody could be you, Brittany, it could be me, it could be anyone out there listening. So please give those, don't be shy with those those virtual hugs for our friends and family spread around the world who might be needing that virtual hug. Absolutely. So Brittany, let's let's talk a little bit about about five packs. I, and I, I love that there's a there's a tie-in given that you you made kind of a, a fairly dramatic life decision that became that at the beginning of the five packs journey. So tell me about that a little bit, what, why you created the site fivepacks.com and what was going on in your life at that, that moment that, that caused you to, to take that step. Absolutely. So, you know, Mike and I traveled a lot before we had kids. We started, um, you know, to, to keep up the traveling as much as we could once we had kids, it wasn't easy, but, you know, still took them on some really fun global adventures and lots of road trips, lots of camping, lots of, of hiking more recently. And we found ourselves just being drawn to all these super aspirational, we sold everything and traveled the world for two years, families that are out there. And we thought they were so cool and so amazing, but that was never gonna be our reality. We don't have enough stuff to sell to travel the world for two years. Um, and so we wanted to put out there just the content that we weren't finding um, about you know, beginning to hike and camp and planning road trips and dealing with car sick kids, which we, I don't know if we'll ever stop dealing with. Um, and just, you know, getting out of our comfort zones. We got to travel, you know, a little bit as we were, as we were younger, Mike definitely more than me. And, and just providing support and guidance and inspiration um, for folks who wanted to do the same. We started, you know, we've got all kinds of product ideas and things that we just want to put out there for, for folks who are like us. They're, they're working and they're, they're trying to just find more time with, with their family and, 
even when it's hard or, you know, right now it's impossible, but it will be possible again um, to get out there and just, just do it and, and be a support, you know, however that looks um, and kind of morphs throughout time. So it's just a space to really authentically share our experiences, getting our kids out into the world and, and you know, co-creating learning about food and culture and our earth um, together. So what's it like for you and for Mike, given that you've put so much blood, sweat and tears and made some serious pivots in your life to go in on what is a travel industry that is now in shambles. This timing is lousy for everyone. I don't want to single you out as having it particularly tough, but you're kind of just getting started just starting to get a little traction. And then all of a sudden it's crickets. What's that like for you guys? It was a gut check. We actually had been working really hard the last couple of months on some research and development and product. And we were really pushing things forward and reaching out to manufacturers and starting some of these conversations. And it became very clear that we needed to just put the brakes on and find something else to, to put our time and energy into, you know, for the, the foreseeable, um, future. And, you know, so much of leaving work was for me to make this my career. And this was my, you know, this is what drove me to stay up till midnight every night is working on this and brainstorming it. And now I, you know, a month ago, didn't know where it was going to go or what we were going to do with it. And then there's the guilt, right? That I'm not relying on this money right now. And so there's so many people are so devastated by it. Um, but that didn't kind of stop that it was hard and frustrating. And we've been pretty quiet because it's, I've also had a hard time thinking about what's valuable to put out there right now. You know, um, we've never wanted our space to be one where we brag about our travels, but just share authentically how we're navigating it and what we're doing. And when, when we haven't been doing much, it's, it's also hard to think about what do we put out there and share. So we've, we've put the, the brakes on, you know, very temporarily. I've got a lot of things I'm thinking about with just bringing some adventure at home. We have a great library of books about traveling the world. And so we've been really, you know, bringing those experiences in for our kids and reading, reading books about places we've been or want to go. Um, I pivot and kind of freelance some of their curriculum to, to be more about adventure and about, um, we, they had a lesson about streams and rivers and we talked about the importance of, of leave no trace and protecting, you know, protected waters. Um, and so we're finding authentic ways to keep it alive within our, you know, was quarantined now, um, just socially distanced space. And I think that seeing if there's a way to share some of that out in our platforms, that's helpful. There's also so much out there and so much noise right now, right? I feel like every day I get 10 free new resources. I don't know if you're, you're seeing this as well, all these great things that are out there for your kids on the screen that they can learn from. And it's so much, it's so much. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things like you have the first, the first few days it was neat other here's this resource that resource but you get to day 21 or whatever and it's like okay i get 20 or 30 of these a day and you get i don't mean to pick on anybody i realize that there are people unlike you Brittany, who do rely on this for their income so they're trying to take their their travel site and make it a homeschooling site or, or whatever you're trying to put out content that people are actually looking for because they're nobody's looking for travel content right now it's, absolutely and people that rely on that income from their blogs or from their other outlets they're trying to figure out 
how to keep afloat monetarily during during these really really tough times. So what? So can you give any sneak peeks of anything that you're working on? You, I know you've gone pretty dark on the on the website for yeah. the time being, but you mentioned that you've got a couple things in the in the hopper. What are we looking at? Yep. So full disclosure, the first thing I'm working on is cleaning up SEO on some of those early posts, so we didn't know what we were doing. Very good. Um, for, for those out there who are not familiar, search yep. engine optimization, search engine optimization SEO. Yes. We, you know, jumped in feet first with this and didn't always know everything. So it's it's taking some time to go back and, and relearn from what we've learned, right? And make it the quality better, make things even stronger. Um, I think the one thing is, is I am finding the line, right? I have a background in education and I have a lot of interest in homeschooling, but that's not our, that's not our shtick. That's not what we're going to focus on. I did absolutely sketch out four blog posts on the topic. And then Mike said, it's kind of feels off brand. Um, and he was totally right. Um, and so, you know, working on just some more guides on road tripping, that's something we've been spending a ton of time on. I think that that's going to be the first type of travel, um, that we see, you know, able to come back some more domestic road travel. That's what we're most looking forward to once, you know, some travel restrictions are lifted and we can safely, um, get back out to some parks and do some camping. And so um, some more content around some of the camping we um, did over the winter um, that we've got some kind of back content to build up. Um, I love cooking um, while camping and it can be super simple and super delicious. So just building out some of some of those more detailed posts on you know, the, the rustic road trip experience. Would you, how would you rate yourself as a camping chef? Like, are you, are you, uh, so you just had your podcast with Kevin. I think he said it was like acceptable food or edible. Um, no, my acceptable. food's pretty good. My food is pretty good. Um, I've, there's a couple camping food bloggers who I like to riff off of. I'm a, I'm a pretty good cook. And you mentioned that you've got, you've got some acreage or at least some space out behind the house there. We I'm do seeing right some camping cooking videos with Brittany Barron in the very near future. What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. I know. You're going to keep pushing me on video content. Yes, I am. <laughs> so yes, and my, my brother-in-law here has some great land um, not far from here. And so we just got a, a second tent that we've been waiting to with our REI dividends. Um, and so we can comfortably be out camping probably another week or two. It'll be warm enough at night. Okay. Well, you let me know when you're ready to, to do some of those, to do, to do a cooking video. I'll help you out there. It'd be, it'd be super fun. Okay. I'd love it. A virtual, virtual, well, we'll come up with a, a snappy title, something more than acceptable camping cooking. Yes. It's, it is more than acceptable. Minimally acceptable. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's super cool. And that, as far as I'm concerned, I, Mike may have a different opinion, but that feels on brand. It is At on least brand. on brand enough. Absolutely. Just on brand enough. There you go. Just enough. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a side vertical under the, 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 the main brand goals. I love it. Well, Brittany, I'm going to let you go here. It's been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. And my friends out there listening, be sure to check out Brittany at Five Packs. That's spelled out that spelled out five F I V E P A X Five Packs dot com. She's got some great, great content up there now, and possibly some more coming. But when this is all over, this is going to be a great resource because you were right, Brittany. That road tripping is probably going to be one of the very first forms of travel to come back after this. And folks have got a great resource in you and Mike at fivepacks.com for those road tripping resources. Really appreciate you, Brittany. So good to talk to you. Um, hang in there and, and we'll be in touch soon. Great. You know that there's more to life than your work. 
But do your kids know? Last year, 55% of American parents didn't use all their vacation days. Taking time off to travel lets you show your kids different sides of the world and different sides of yourself. Like the side that does things like this. Family travel is easier and more affordable than you might think. You brought them into this world, now show it to them. Discover the possibilities at familytravel.org. Hey, it's Aaron Schlein. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Family Travel Radio. All the notes for this episode and for every episode of the podcast are available at familytravel.org slash radio. All right, my friend, until we meet again, this is Aaron Schlein for Family Travel Radio, and I am signing off. Family Travel Radio.